I'm like scared about this one. <laughs> Me too. I'm really scared. I'm terrified. Don't be scared. We'll go go and do it just like a regular episode. That made me more scared. Size <laughs> gonna cut me. <laughs> anything you can buy, I can buy cheaper. I can buy anything cheaper than you. Fifty cents. Forty cents. Thirty cents. Twenty cents. Ah, you can. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Anything you can say, I can say softer. I can say anything softer than you. No, you can. Yes, I can. Welcome to Oops, I Talk Politics, the left-wing political podcast where we talk about politics. I'm Ryan. I'm Sly. I'm Phil. And I'm Daryl. Welcome, everybody. Yep, to, to just another week in 2018. We didn't make it. Another week in hellscape world. <laughs> and you know so, what didn't make it? Maybe DACA? <laughs> so, we, during the government shutdown, we I, I'm very fired up about this, but because we're like in the middle of two short CRs continuing resolutions of the government we're like not sure if the democrats plan is gonna work or they're just lying to the radical base i don't know so it we kind of were thinking of ways we could talk about this idea without actually talking about the sh- like the shutdown daca debate mm-hmm. because like about our frustrations we- with like certain people in congress aside from yeah. the ones we usually bitch about the trump people yeah because like i when I listen to Schumer talk about it, I'm like, okay, I can buy into this, but I also don't trust you to follow through with this. So that got us thinking about the figure that we maybe spend the most time debating in this exact <laughs> same way, Obama. Yeah. And some of the things about Obama that we have problems with and kind of contextualizing them in the current climate where did he set up this terrible thing we're in or was he like fighting against it and trump made it worse or we just kind of want to compare and contrast a little bit thanks obama thanks obama Obama. and i think we're our opinions on obama are all pretty clear on the episode i think like sly has the most problems with him Mm -hmm. and the three of us like him a lot but all have different spots where we are like god damn it obama yeah i think all of us really like him specifically as a person like, he'd be a cool yeah. person to sit down and talk policy with. I was not people say about George Bush. Are we uh, Bush people now? Uh, I, I kind of wouldn't want to even do that with Bush. <laughs> I, I actually yeah, wouldn't. Yeah. I actually don't know if Obama's a good person. Uh, yeah, yeah that's that, a, that is, that is a good point. It's tough because uh, I always have to quantify this in my head. Like, I'm thinking, like, because uh, he seems like a nice guy when he talks and stuff. Yeah, but that doesn't mean shit. It doesn't mean shit. Because you can say thing about Bush. Like, Bush tries to do the right thing. Bush talks nice. Bush is also a war criminal, so. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah but is Obama not? Yeah. Is any president yeah. not? That's yeah. what we're going to talk about. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things that it's kind of a weird, it's kind of a weird thing in general. Like, Slide just made that, that snip about is any president not. But it's like, I, I think that's a fair point. Not that they're all necessarily bad people. They maybe maybe most of them aren't. They're trying to do the right thing. But inherently in the job of sending troops in what you some guys are telling you i think this will protect america mm-hmm. and i think we have to bomb here and being like all right let's do it like and you kill some fucking children like yeah uh, like i think that it kind of like accrues naturally unfortunately on the hands of the president yeah yeah and one thing i just want to have a caveat is we're a lot of times we talk about like the left cannibalizing themselves and like all this kind of stuff. But I do think it's important. Sly and I, and well, the four of us have talked a lot about how like, it is still very important to recognize the flaws Mm -hmm. that happened in the past, but I don't want to send the message that we're invalidating some of the accomplishments of the Obama administration, like things like gay marriage and stuff like that. Like we are focusing particularly on the problems that we have with Obama, but we're not saying that like everything he did was terrible. And I just think it's important to put that caveat in there. Yeah, it's very, it's essential to treat this like what we're doing here a lot as a discussion and not necessarily as condemnation, like pure outright condemnation. We're going to condemn some of the things that Obama's done, but it's, there's, you know, there's a lot of nuance to it, too. Lincoln's one of my favorite presidents, but he suspended habeas corpus during the Civil War. I think that's. I mean, my favorite president is FDR and he had internment camps, so, you know, like... This is just part of that conversation where I don't want to invalidate the amazing accomplishments of the first black president, but at the same time, there is a, a there is a lot of things that happened that made him maybe not the perfect liberal like icon that we treat him as. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So to get us into that, let's talk about some of the some of the big criticisms that the right had with Obama. Yeah, we should, we should clarify that we're we're going to be comparing and contrasting Obama with Trump. And Trump, like, Trump's a spoiler. Trump's worse. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, way. we're all very we're all in complete agreement that Trump is like the worst fucking person yeah. ever. And anything we say about Obama, even if we're comparing them, Obama's definitely a better fucking president. Yeah, but the idea here is that you know you have all these uh, criticisms of Trump that, like, uh, when Trump won because of his fucking anti-establishment fever in this country, a lot of the complaints that were raised against Obama are like tenfold with Trump. Mm-hmm. So like that's part of what we're doing this for. To show that Trump Obama has issues, but like if you vote for Trump to solve them, you'd make the worst choice in your possible fucking yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and to prove that we it's not like at least for me, like these points uh that I'm complaining about Trump. I also complained about under Obama and now I'm just like this is worse. Like mm-hmm. yeah, everything's yeah. hell now. Yeah. <laughs> if if you uh frequented right wing parts of the internet uh from two thousand eight to two thousand uh sixteen or were Facebook friends with Obama haters. Or watch Fox News. Or watch Fox News. A lot of the complaints you would see about Obama is that he... he... put Dijon mustard on his pretzels. Well, okay, there's those things. Saluted but... with a coffee in his hand. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he wore tan suits. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. What I love is these are all le- legitimate complaints. Le- legitimate things. <laughs> I know. But one of the more frequent ones was that he was lazy. All right, he was a lazy president. Oh, that he, of course. which is fucking racist, which is basically stemmed in racism. By the way, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> it's like him being like a very vacation-heavy president. That the the family, the Obama family, was wasting a lot of taxpayer money, etc. Is one of the big talking points of the right. But when you really compare it, it's kind of hard to find unbiased statistics of this like different places have different numbers of how much they spent like the newsweek was like trump only spent 10 million in his first year but they didn't count any of the secret service protection or anything like that um so the best estimates i could find from digging a bit were that obama took 235 vacation days that cost about 100 million or 114 million dollars over the course of his eight years um that's kind of a bit mm-hmm. it's more than a lot of older presidents but trump has taken 100 so far Okay, to 235s, and we have, we're one day, or we're, we're one year. <laughs> one, one, day. one day. No, it's been one day, it's one entire fucking time. <laughs> yeah, he's taken, yeah, he's taken almost half in an eighth of the time. We're in the hyperbolic time chamber, except we're just <laughs> living Trump's America all the time. Yeah, it's like uh, a hyperbolic health chamber. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he spent about $100 million already as well. And this Man. is largely because Melania and Barrett had to get that fucking Secret Service protection for like six yep. months while he was still in school. So this is a lot of money and a lot of time spent away. And not to mention, the rights criticism of Obama becomes even more jarring to me when you look at George W. Bush, who took, on the on the most conservative estimate, 533 vacation days. <laughs> that's, that's more than double Obama. Up, up to 1,000 yeah. on the more liberal ones. Jeez. And he actually only spent 140 million because most of his vacation days were on his ranch, so it's mm. like they didn't have to get as much protection and stuff. Yep. But still, that's like if you take the conservative one, he spent over a year of his eight years uh, on vacation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But even even so, what we're comparing is Obama and Trump, and Obama took like. But it's worth pointing out that because uh, like if I, a, lot, a lot of things uh, when I talk about my problems with Obama, I'm going to talk about Bush too because. One of the biggest beefs of Obama in general, like as a general rule, he continued to make things uh, Bush did. But even with like uh, the worst of Obama's like uh, vacations, he wasn't even close to Bush. Yeah, yeah. like not close at all. Like so, so the, the whole he's a lazy piece of shit thing, they completely ignore when it comes to Trump. Or more likely, they're like the Fox News stuff doesn't talk about it. I, I'm assuming. And so they're, yeah, they're not definitely. talking about that at all. So it's, it's just projection here. Well, they ignored it when, when, when they were talking about Obama. Ever, no one ever talked about Bush again after that. No one ever mentioned that. Bush, yeah. No one ever compared to Bush. No one mentioned Bush. Bush in general like, it was like, like he was not a president ever. Who was Bush? We had Clinton, then we had Obama. They didn't destroy the government. That's what we <laughs> yeah. had. Yeah, the, the lawless Obama years. Um, and the second Jeez. biggest complaint, I think, is that he rules like a tyrant. Was always like Obama, the tyrant. He's gonna do this. He rules. He rules by executive order only. Because Taking of, our guns away. Yeah, I hope our yeah. listeners know this by now. But the president doesn't make laws, but he can, <laughs> he can use executive orders to. It's they don't make laws, but it, like it, it's rules that the government has to follow. Yeah, he has policy. Basically. He makes policy status quo for the government, basically. For the government, right? Yeah, and the thing with executive orders is they're very easy to repeal because just you can repeal them with another executive order. Yeah. Congress doesn't have to vote on it. Right. Yeah. And so one of the big complaints about Obama was he's just mad with power, an executive order dictator. Like, seriously, like, 
during those years, you saw this so much, like on Alex Jones' show and everything. They were like, he was more executive orders than anyone. But when you really look at it... Compared he, to Bush? Compared to Bush, he has less. Uh, not by that much, but he has less than Bush. He has 200... He passed 276 executive orders in his time. Bush had 291. Clinton had 364. Reagan had 381. And I actually... I'll, this is one thing I can agree with more traditional conservatives on, is that the power of the presidency has gone way yeah. way way stronger than it ever was intended to be like yeah washington had eight executive <laughs> orders <laughs> another another thing that uh, uh you know fucking the bush years the fucking small government george w bush years inflicted mm-hmm. onto us but this executive uh, branch being like now its own uh like sovereign entity that can i, I think that's yeah. been since um since like fdr honestly like yeah but uh it's it has been a growing thing for decades but with dick cheney with all, all yeah executive orders all that, all the shit that they pulled uh they definitely increased in obama definitely maintained it but he did not surpass bush so we call obama a tyrant it's a tyrannical office and every president's a tyrant yeah and, and the power of the presidency has grown over time probably just naturally because every president can take the precedent of past presidents <laughs> say, that, uh, say that again three times fast Phil <laughs> and, and say well they use this power so now therefore I have that power too and like naturally it grows over time which is I think it actually is a problem but uh, regardless it's not like Obama came in and said kick down the door and said now I'm passing a thousand executive orders Reagan had uh, about 30% more executive orders than Obama mm-hmm. for modern President Obama is pretty low compared to like the other he ones. is he is and Trump yeah. has passed 60 so far if he keeps at that rate will pass Obama Obama actually has the lowest rates of executive orders. Oh wow! Since until fucking Grover Cleveland in 1897. <laughs> okay, no, fuck you, fuck you if you said Obama's a tyrant. Fuck off. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so a hundred and hundred and ten years. I didn't even realize it was that far back. Uh, since a president has passed less executive orders per year. I, I thought it was at least until FDR, but holy shit. Some of them yeah, have passed less, yeah. but they didn't, like, JFK, but he died. Like, um, it, it's, like, per year he yeah, has passed. Yeah. Yeah. And years. especially given how do-nothing Obama's Congress was. Yeah. Like, how they wouldn't vote on fucking anything, especially when the Republicans controlled the Senate or the House. Like, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. yeah. So, so that is, like, it's real just projection here. And, and I, it's kind of like this, this thing that I've noticed with uh, people do this in general, but among the right in particular, it's just it's a when you have something that you feel be, you, you do wrong, you project it onto other people. It's like how uh, cheaters always think their spouse is cheating on them, mm-hmm. how yeah. uh, Trump always says things that he is actually doing. And it's like this is they, they claim that, oh, um, you know, vacationing Obama when their president Bush right before that vacationed more than any president ever, actually. That, that, this is pretty much like 100 percent, by the way, like not even an exaggeration. It's amazing how how consistently people project onto other people and the yeah. Republicans always project onto the They Democrats. always project. And I've said this in the past, how so many we see time and time again, these uh, really evangelical Christians who are so anti-homosexuality come out or they don't come out. They get caught. Uh, having sex with a guy, and they're they're like, oh, he was just massaging me or something. Or, and... or they get caught trying to get their wife uh, or their mistress to have an abortion. Yeah. Shit. And, and yeah. It, it actually reminded me of this poll I saw, a YouGov poll in 2016 in November, how they that, how they said that Clinton was the more racist candidate, and they this same group also said that whites are twice as likely to face discrimination than blacks. <laughs> and, <laughs> and this is like, it's like one of those things where it's like, they're just projecting... So hard, their racism out yeah. there. Like, if you, if you, and that's the thing. Like, every one of them is like, if you do anything against me, if you, if you feel like rub against me, like at all, I'll, I'll fucking scream to the heavens. But if you, if you ask for your rights, if you ask for any fair treatment, fuck you. You're, you're being racist against me. Like, like, yeah. Well, it's the same thing. We see this all the time. Like, all the complaints about like all oh, these liberals need their safe spaces, but then like you're never allowed to criticize anyone and like don't politicize football or don't fox news said don't politicize martin luther king <laughs> fuck you one of the biggest things right now is the all rights is the all rights saying that oh maybe maybe twitter should be nationalized so that way the all white doesn't get discriminated on uh, twitter they, 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 as soon as they get a fucking uh, platform they like and like it's not going their way a, a private platform they're like let's nationalize it this fucking thing we supposedly yeah, yeah. nationalize it fucking right wing what the fuck they're also like they're super big on proponents of free speech but then they like they applaud when other people get fired for having two leftist remarks or being racist against white people yeah, uh, yeah. guess what my 
my one fucking comment on are the Donald gets me banned and it wasn't even <laughs> offensive but I and they always talk about snowflakes on there and being triggered yeah and we're, we're we're not like the left and what did you ask Phil what I was said your comment? I think uh, red states actually take more from the federal government they do, they do. and <laughs> pay less into it it's the most like innocuous statement <laughs> they fucking ban me for being a concern troll or something and they're like and they're the ones who are saying we're not like the left we allow free debate yeah. obviously not I we don't punish wrong think well it's the same, thing. It's the same way how like fascists use like uh, you know like language like oh we're for free them like the Korea of Korea is the people's uh, fucking yeah. government of Korea. Yeah. It's always like we're the poor democracy, poor freedom, and like there's like a famous quote like if fascism never comes to America, it'll be draped in the flag, claiming yeah. it's for freedom. Like it's always yeah. whatever the, like the bad people say, they're for. They're always against the fucking Orwellian fucking garbage going yeah, on. Yeah, and anytime think about the people that are like, oh, these libtard cucks <laughs> that like they can't be, you know, they're so sensitive, you can't say anything without them taking it personally. Call one of those guys a racist and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Or, or fucking kneel from them during their fucking national album. See how much they get triggered. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, and that's basically ah! what I was going to say was uh, just projection seems really... All the things that Obama was criticized by the right seem to be right-wing things. Yeah. That, that they did worse. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. How about we dive into a pretty serious criticism of the Obama administration, and that a is... Legitimate, a more legitimate one. Yeah, that is... He, yeah. he wore a tan suit. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, drone strikes. And uh, the history of drone strikes can be traced all the way back to Afghanistan two months after the events of 9-11. The Air Force at the time stalled on using drones more liberally until Robert Gates became Secretary of State in 2006 and sped up the production of drone manufacturing and delivery. Obama enters into office in January 2009, and the drones are a perfect fit for him, allowing him to take out key targets without putting American boots on the ground. The fact of the drone killings was classified, and Obama embraced a method that um, counted all military-aged males in a strike zone as combatants, which allowed them to say in 2011 that not a single non-combatant has been killed <laughs> in a year Just because they were dudes that were like, what, 18 to 30? <laughs> yeah. yeah, they, they call they call them signature strikes. They say, oh, the signatures that seem close to terrorism must be terrorism. There yep. are people that, that are that proper age of a terrorist. I guess they must be terrorists. They're dead now. Yep. Uh, and in 2013, a whistleblower provided The Intercept with a cache of documents of drone killings in Afghanistan, Yemen, and Somalia, where it revealed that nearly 90% of those strikes, of people killed by those strikes, were not the intended target of the operation. 90%? Yeah. By the end of Obama's administrations, in areas of non-active hostility, which is basically countries we're not at uh, war with, he would do a total of 563 strikes with 3,800 combatants killed, and there's two different accounts on civilians killed. The U.S. says it's 60 to 110, but uh, the Bureau of Investigative Journalism says it's 300 to 800. That's those are very different numbers. <laughs> yeah, and and the FBI and the like the Obama administration constantly denied it. Like the first thing they they, they they always say like these drones are always fucking safe. Like all this is paranoia is bullshit, and like then like they'll get sued by like uh, over deaths over like 18. Years. Uh, deaths in Yemen and they're like yeah we fucking cause those deaths like they have to get sued to get to admit some of these deaths mm -hmm. like they, they yeah. always deny them whenever they get confronted with them yeah remember that these numbers don't include Afghanistan Libya Iraq and Syria since they're active war zones uh, which received tens of thousands of bombs dropped on them per year the bomb actually uh, had 10 times as many lethal airstrikes as George Bush in areas outside Iraq and Afghanistan. Yeah, like which, again, is, like, a tricky thing to do since Bush wasn't actively droning as much as Obama was. Because, yeah. what, the technology wasn't there yet? The Air Force chiefs were more traditional, and they, they weren't, they didn't buy into the drone program as much. But it is, a, it is a, I think it's important worth pointing out that uh, when you when you transition from Bush to Obama, this is an effort that Obama really made into a mainstream thing. And, like, you could say, like, it was, the technology wasn't there then, but, like, Obama could guide how that technology manifested in our government, and he allowed to manifest it, this it was there as he got in because like during the yeah, and, it, and it grew yeah. and it grew and expanded under him so yes like, I, think that's, that's I think that's a fair criticism for, but least, my, my thought is always like would any president not use drones instead of american troops like i can't imagine like i really can't imagine that yeah i th th i feel like yeah. that's one of the 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 weird defenses of that it's sort of like this would naturally happen with like automation it's like this is just it, I, the smarter wiser decision for the president of the united states to pursue yeah by, but by that logic then there should be no restrictions on drones because drones are always going to be uh, more safer than uh 
than the human fighters, and that only permits more war and more uh, areas for bombing. The argument against it is is not whether or not we're using drones; it's how much we're using drones. Because it's not like we need to always be using them, I guess. Yeah, but that's the thing. Bamo mm-hmm. using these areas outside of Afghanistan and Iraq. Yeah. Yeah. we're officially in war, and that's why I'm pointing yeah. it out yeah. because that's very he's true. Been expanding yeah. the war effort through these drones, even though technically we're only war in Afghanistan right. and Iraq. That's, that's a Because I think of it too, like if you march troops into Yemen, it yeah. would be a big fucking deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, how come we get away with using drone yeah, strikes? And I'm not point. I'm not advocating that like, you know, everything always has to like risk American lives. But if you're gonna do what I would consider doing something that like bombing something, I would consider that an act of war. But it's like this weird loophole where it doesn't count as a like because it's not troops. Like I don't. It just is weird. Yeah. What's interesting about the drone program is that Obama himself has been critical about his use of drones, remarking that I've told my staff that it's probably good that they stay critical of the droning policy, even though I think right now we're doing what's best. We're doing the best we can in a dangerous world with terrorists who would gladly blow up a school bus full of American kids if they could. That seems like some bullshit rhetoric to me. (laughs) Yeah, we probably have got it about right. If suddenly Human Rights Watch or Amnesty International said, okay, the Obama administration has their drone program right and we don't have a problem here the instinct towards starting to use the instinct towards starting to use it more and then some of those checks and balances that we built up start to decay that's probably what would happen so there's an example of where i think even if the criticism is not always perfectly informed and in some cases i would deem unfair just the noise attention fuss probably keeps powerful officials and agencies on their toes and they should be on their toes when it comes to the use of deadly force but like he's also doing it well he actually he he did a lot more at the beginning of his administration i think it like peaked in 2010 after an afghanistan outpost was bought like received a suicide bomb and killed seven cia soldiers and that's where the drone kills peaked and from there he's put in more regulations against uh, oh huh, i didn't know that yeah, yeah I, I wasn't aware of that either yep Atlantic contributor uh, Connor Friedersdorf rebuts this by saying, A focus on balancing legitimate kills and innocent killed sidesteps one of the most potent critiques of Obama's approach, that many aspects of targeted killings policy are on dubious legal footing, and that Obama has set a hugely dangerous precedent. The administration asked Americans to believe not only that it was empowered to kill an American in secret, but that after that fact, courts should refrain from judging whether such killings violated the right to life of the target. Thanks to Obama's actions, Donald Trump will be inaugurated into an office that presumes the authority to secretly order the extrajudicial killings of American citizens. That was the big deal, I remember, when the drone strike was ordered on an American abroad. Yep. It's like one of those things that like, yeah, he might be a terrorist, but that then you try him if he's not in combat. Yeah. Yeah, and he was yeah. I think it was also he was innocent and he was 16. Yeah. Uh, Alawaki, I think. Uh, and yeah. also and like that's one of the things they're always and people say it's not hard to indict somebody in fucking court but uh, for some reason they didn't want to bring it to court mm-hmm. and also like the Trump point is important because when during the Bush uh, the Obama years when I when I would criticize him presumably a lot of people criticize him people would say like oh yeah but Obama's responsible like people act like Obama was gonna be president forever or Democrats are gonna be office forever there's never gonna be a, a, a bad outcome for these, these powers to be used including drone strikes or any of these these abilities so that way we shouldn't criticize them when our side is doing it because yeah. we're doing it right. It's like I said before with, with precedent setting. Like every president that expands the power of the executive, it, it doesn't ju- he doesn't just do it for himself. He does it for the for the office. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that happens in Congress, too. Like Harry Reid got rid of the filibuster so they could push more of Obama's agenda. And now the GOP can get away with so much fucking more. Like all of Trump's confirmation hearings wouldn't have been possible if it wasn't for the precedent that Harry Reid set. Yeah. And uh, speaking of Trump and drone killings, Trump has proudly embraced the droning legacy from increasing airstrikes by 50 percent in the one year he was in office to declaring Yemen and Somalia to be areas of active hostility to proposing that they expand target definitions from imminent threats to uh, simple foot soldiers with no special skills or leadership roles. So basically whoever they want. Yeah. The Trump administration has also been uh, significantly more opaque in their military dealings, like combining drone strikes and airstrikes together to make parsing the data more difficult and changing the rules of warfare but not expressing publicly what that entails. Um, Civilian deaths have risen by about 215%, partly due to attacking the populated Raqqa um, a while ago, which a lot of this information we get from Air Wars 
And they said themselves that, like, even if Hillary was in charge, you'd still see a lot of yeah. deaths from attacking a city. Definitely uh, would have happened no matter who was president. Yeah, I mean, this, is a, this is a discussion for, like, another time. But, like, yeah. uh, no president is going to be the one to be like, I'm going to decrease these tactics that, supposed to, that people yeah. claim are defending some civilians. Especially when ISIS is, like, occupying a major city. You're like, I'm just going to not bomb them. And only one thing to mention also that these drone strikes, a lot of them, uh, the ones that are in other areas like Yemen and stuff like that, aren't even for our defense, they're for uh, helping allies in the yeah. areas. Well, so. That actually is really important because this is one of the big issues too is all these like conflicts and wars and stuff that we're in are all part of a 2001 authorization for use of military force that basically gives the executive extensive powers. It came out right after 9-11 where it's like anytime us or any of our allies are attacked by anyone related to terrorism or any of the terrorists allies it gives us like it the president used to only be able to go to war for like a certain amount of time before he needed yeah, congressional 90 approval days. yeah 90 days but now it's just forever whenever you want and like and that war. yeah it, it's an authorization of endless war and it's been in place for 17 years yeah people people have are been like already going to fucking college soon that are that have not just college they go to war yeah they're going to people are going to war that, that that started before they were born yeah 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 and and that's like one of the i didn't even know about this until tim kane started talking about it a lot that like it's just it's just the president's authorized for endless war yeah cool mm-hmm. great the, so the total civilian death is somewhere around uh since 2014 when Air war started keeping track of everything it's somewhere around 5000 and um, they reported that more civilians have died under the one year of the Trump administration than Obama since 2014. And just to put things in perspective, which I thought was a kind of eye-opening, in the last 12 years, 459 civilians have been killed throughout the entirety of Europe due to terrorist attacks. In one month alone, the U.S. reportedly killed 472 civilians via airstrikes. Yeah, airstrikes. Yeah. <sighs> So, so that's why when people like America's a real terrorist, it's really hard to say we're not. Yeah. Also, by the way, if, if there's any Trump people who are like, that's great, fuck those terrorists, scum, Trump wins, whatever, uh, keep in mind that the CIA authorizes, has the ability to authorize these strikes too. That's a deep state they always bitch about. So mm-hmm. There's only so much that like you can swallow as collateral yeah. damage. Yeah. Well, like a, a lot of uh, people in like America don't consider those people real people. Like yeah. For, well, for, that's for, that's well, yeah. That's definitely a huge problem, or that they deserve it because they're there. Because that's like the yeah, exactly. always the right's response to things is move if you don't like it. Like people have that ability so easily. Yeah. And even then, then they move and other people aren't letting them in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or so. trying to get them kicked out. Yeah, if that's the if that's what they believe, the Republicans should have fucking moved when Tyrant Obama was in power. Yeah, uh, yeah. move, uh, but also immigration is banned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the last yeah. thing I want to add is a comment by Noreen Shah of Amnesty International, and she said that what Obama doesn't acknowledge is how much of a role his administration had in making that that the the drone strikes this bizarre thing normal. What we'll be left yeah. with from the Obama administration is far more dangerous precedent of secret global killings than what we started with. Yeah, I guess no matter what, no matter what you can say about him, like he did normalize uh, this endless drone striking that is just like part of life now. Yeah, that's that's, yeah. that's the biggest thing about Obama. Uh, you know, he could have been like a, uh, a, like a revolutionary president, like he claimed he was going to be, but in the end, he was kind of like a continuation, like a, of a softening, I guess, of the Bush years, like slightly. Yeah. But now that Trump's here, like it, it doesn't matter at all that softening. So let's transition to an aspect of that softening: healthcare. <sighs> so everybody knows I get real mad about healthcare, and I'm not going to go into all the details about Obamacare and everything because we kind of did that a little bit in the healthcare episode yep. a while back. But yep. one thing I want to talk about is one of the things that liberals are really harping on lately is the public option, which would give Medicare or Medicaid to everybody. So basically, real long story short, think about how like when if you live in America, you can send your kids to public school and it's covered by their taxes. It would be the same thing where you would be covered by Medicare, which would cover 80 percent of your medical costs. Yep. You would just everyone would be covered. You would all pay taxes and then you could get private insurance like you could go to a private school as supplemental or by choice. But you always have that as a fallback. And one of the biggest critiques of Obamacare from the left is that it was taken out almost immediately. And I'm going to loop back around to Obamacare. But first, I want to talk about fucking Joe Lieberman, (laughs) who is a senator from Connecticut. He was Al Gore's running mate. 
So yeah. like, oh, you would think that he'd be some big liberal because, you know, he was almost the vice president. You know, I, I actually knew he was one of the first politicians I ever heard of because <laughs> when I was a kid, he was trying to get violent video games banned. Oh, really? Joe Lieberman is such a piece of shit, but like, that, such Ryan, Ryan has to explain all the ways he's a piece of shit. Get yeah. It. So Joe Lieberman was a Democrat until 2006. Then he became an independent when he got fucking primaried because <laughs> he was because he, he wasn't liberal enough. A more liberal Democrat beat him, so he's like, "I'll run as an independent. Fuck you, will of the people." So at this point, when bills actually got passed with 60 votes instead of 50, they needed every pretty much every vote they could. And Joe Lieberman said he would support Obamacare, and then went on TV and said, "Actually, no, fuck you. It's too liberal." Instead of you know talking to anybody mm-hmm. about it, I should, I, we should we should mention that that's the thing Joe Lieberman did in general. That, that was like his success as independent made him courted by both the Democrats and the Republicans. Like they were all tried to have to curry favor with Joe Lieberman to get anything passed, and that's why McCain. Well, before he picked Palin, the consensus was McCain was John McCain was going to pick Joe Lieberman. This fucking yeah. this fucking Democrat, uh, supposed Democrat, was going to be John McCain's running mate. Why did Gore pick him as his running mate then? To cater to independents? Because they, they all they all they all fucking I think I think he was still Democrat when Gore picked him. Yeah, but, he was. Yeah, but he they, was. They all, they all, both Republicans Democrats fucking loved him because. Uh, they, ha- they have to make sure they have to ha- has favors to get anything passed with the sixty. Sly hates him the most because he's like a, the centrist icon. Yeah, <laughs> he's also like the worst. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get to a point of, of, of what, like he had more of an impact in this country than you think, and we'll get into it. But I, I know the fact yeah. that Ryan probably doesn't know. Get into it. basically to appease Lieberman and basically just Lieberman a Montana a Montana Senator Max Baucus I don't know how to pronounce it brought in a Baucus he brought in a new proposal that would it remove the public option and it basically was like the compromise and he did this to win Lieberman's vote and he also said on a speech in Capitol Hill, I think it's clear we've sub- struck something that's fairly close to the middle. It's balanced, even-handed, everybody's looking at it, and no one's outraged. There's a little grumbling around all the edges, but it feels like we're on track to come up with legislation that at least makes sense. And that there was no doubt in his mind that the Democrats and some Republicans want to vote for this bill. So they immediately got the public option just to appeal to Joe Lieberman and to win over some Republicans. And... Spoilers, no fucking Republican ever voted for the Affordable Care Act, and any <laughs> compromise that they did was total fucking bullshit. Also, compare, compared to the mentality of this fucking far-gone age of eight years or whatever ago, when uh, you had to have compromise of 60 votes, and like we had to compromise beforehand, and that all of this shit matters, like, the government this shit matters, this shit matters, and then look at the tax bill we have now, look at the healthcare pills we have now, and try to fucking argue it's anywhere related. Anywhere yeah, because and the reason why... Like, in theory, Obama's idea makes sense that, like, well, some Republicans won't vote party line if we, like, get rid of the more liberal parts. Because this is the Republican health care bill of the 90s. This was the counter to a public option in the 90s. Like, by by, uh, Hillary Clinton, yes. Yeah. And it was implemented by Mitt Romney in Massachusetts. Yes. So, like, theoretically, that would work. But at the end, 60 Democrats and the two Republic, uh, the two independents voted for it in the Senate, and all 39 Republicans voted against it, except for Jim Bunning, who didn't vote. And then in the House, it was the exact same thing, where all the, Repub- all the Democrats voted, 219 Democrats voted, and 234 Democrats and 178 Republicans voted against it. So it barely, barely passed, but... It was all just to appease Joe Lieberman is the reason why we don't all have fucking health care and why all of us have to pay a shit ton of money just to not die. And the reason why this is all fucking Obama's fault is because ugh, I'm just so mad. <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds like Congress's failure. So after the 2008 Republican National Convention, where Joe Lieberman was a invited guests to speak after he endorsed McCain and Sarah Palin. <laughs> he then went back to Congress and the Democratic caucus led by Harry Reid wanted to remove him from the uh, from the Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs, which was one of his big like leadership positions he got as a Democrat. And the Repu- the Democratic caucus was against it. It was against leaving him there because they were like, we need to punish him for fucking us in this election. And this is 
is right. This is a year before the Affordable Care Act vote. And then President-elect Barack Obama said, no, we should reach across the aisle and show that we're not just voting by party lines. And we should let Democrat-turned-independent-turned-Republican-caucuser Joe Lieberman stay in the Senate because I'm sure if we do him a political favor, he will help us in the future. <laughs> And some members of the Democratic caucus were very angry, such as Senator Bernie Sanders, <laughs> who said that he voted to punish Lieberman because while millions of people worked hard for Obama, Lieberman actively worked for four more years of President Bush's policies during Obama's first term. So I'm sorry, I love Obama and I love the Affordable Care Act, but it's only fucked because Obama wanted to play both sides and reach across the aisle and keep assholes in power for no fucking reason. No, it was for the quid quo pro that never came to be. Yeah, and if we actually punished people that, like, maybe de betrayed their party, fucking <laughs> fuck the voters of their party by running independent as... Ugh, then maybe we would all have fucking health care. Don't we praise the people who break party lines when they're Susan Collins and... and... That's true. But there's a difference between party lines when it's like to do something that every single nonpartisan uh, thing says is terrible. Like Susan Collins and John McCain voted against those health care bills. And I felt like it wasn't that they broke party lines. I mean, it was, but it was more so that like the bill was so fucking terrible. And then they voted for the tax plan, which is even worse. So fuck them. Fuck, fuck all these <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those things where... Uh... The context matters because the Republicans pass nightmare bills and the Democrats pass softball bills. They try to appease to the other side. So the context is important. And, and that's the reason why people act like the context is not important is why we have this fossil equivalency bullshit going on all the time. Yeah, like, yeah, we needed Joe Lieberman's vote because Obama set it up where we would need that vote. Oh, that it's kind of funny how Phil was bringing up that we praise people that like go across the party lines, to, like vote on the D side. But it's like the Freedom Caucus does that all the time because things aren't terrible enough. Yeah, terrible enough. Yeah. 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 But you know what the kicker about Joe Lieberman is? What? He was Obama's mentor. Oh my god. So if you want, so like if you if you, if you voted for him in 2008, thinking he's going to change the fucking government to something super progressive, keep that in mind. What do you mean by mentor? He was when Obama was a junior senator in the in the Senate. Mm -hmm. Joe Biden was the guy who mentored him in the Senate. Oh, okay. I thought you were gonna say like here's the kicker. He's my dad. <laughs> so was keeping him in that job fucking nepotism, oh, or was yeah. it milk toast? Yeah. So like so milk toast, or was it? Or I think it's more likely that he 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 is a Joe Lieberman type Democrat. But I'll get into that. Yeah, and I think also the fact I, that... I don't think I'm going to go out on... I'm, I'm going to fucking fight you on this. We're going to get this right now if, if you want. <laughs> oh, <me>. God. <laughs> well, I don't think he's anywhere near as bad as Joe Lieberman. No, 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 he's bad. Joe, Joe Lieberman is a special piece of shit, but... Yeah, Joe Lieberman is a special piece, special piece of shit. He I wanted think. to ban The Sims because people were modding in nude mods. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Lieberman's fucking... I, I love how your 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 expertise is coming in play here, Phil. Well, it's because I was like 10 and reading about this. I'm like, who the fuck is Joe Lieberman? Or like, hey, who's this Joe Lieberman guy? <laughs> All right, so I'm going to transition to why I think Obama side of Joe Lieberman. Sure. Overall, and why he was his mentor. And it's going to tr trigger a lot of libs. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, eat it, snowflakes. Eat it, snowflakes. So I'm going to talk about finance, Obama's finances, and... There's going to seem like I'm being conspiratorial, like, oh, oh shocking trip. This is all in the, in the open. First, first question. Do you guys know what Tim Geithner is? No. no. Yeah. All right, so uh, Ryan knows. So I'm going to say this is a bold statement. If you don't know Tim Geithner, you don't know Obama. Okay. A bold statement. You don't know Obama's policies at all. I'm just going to say that. All right, so. Now that you've said that. <laughs> yes, now that I say that, because like, I think it's important that uh, a lot of people don't know about Obama's financial, uh, his entire fiscal ideology. And I think it's important that everyone know. And this is, this is why I get mad at Obama. Uh, like more, more than anything else, because I always focus on the milk toast neat little piece of shit, uh, the milk toast aspect of milk toast neat little, little piece of shit, but it's the neat little part that I'm focusing on today. And it's not just Obama. Obama, I, I, I like Ryan says I'm like a tea part of Obama, bitching about him all the time. And if I do, I'm sorry. It's, it's only because he's the most prominent neoliberal at the moment. I'm going to explain what neoliberal is, and I'm going to connect it to the Democrats right now and Obama right now. So get your your big conspiracy board and all your string. Slide's so gonna connect <laughs> yeah, all these pieces. You know, this is all the open. This is, this, none of this is fucking. You, 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 I know. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You're gonna think like, if, if I, the fucking the fact that people act like Obama's a progressive blows my mind. But let me just say, every single Alex Jones episode, he always yells, "It's all out in the open. It's all out in the open." <laughs> you can Wikipedia right now. It's on Wikipedia. It's. I want to hear the. I want to hear the evidence. 
Okay, so neoliberalism, the idea of neoliberalism, uh, and neoconservatism, and pretty much every modern economic theory, the only uh, valid economic theory that's held by most of our government, Democrats and Republicans, is based on ideas of Milton Friedman. Before him, the prevailing idea was Keynesian economics. Uh, Keynesian economics was what FDR used during World War II. Uh, yeah. It was developed during that, around that time by, Ken, by uh, uh, I forgot his fucking name, Keynes. Keynes. I don't forget his first name. But... Yeah, I've always seen Keynesian, but... It is Keynesian. It's created by John Maynard Kings. Uh, FDR used it during, the, and a lot of people used it during the Great Depression to get us out of depression. The idea is of Keynes. I can't pronounce it. What the fuck Keynes. is it again? Keynesian. Keynesian. Keynes. The idea is that because the private sector is based on supply and demand, and demand is unreliable, there will never, really, never really be periods of low demands or financial downturns. This could be mitigated by the public sector, the government, injecting money throughout the private sector. Basically what FDR did with his public works programs and shit like that. When the, yeah, when the, 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 the like boom and bust cycle is like natural in capitalism, so his yeah. idea is you, you mitigate the highs and also the lows with the government. You mitigate the highs, too? What? Yeah, by, by stabilizing it more. Instead of having such high highs and such low lows uh-huh. where people are rich like in the yeah. 20s and then poor in the 30s, you, you try to level it out more with public sector yes. influence. Okay. Yes, and this idea is, completely, is, is almost completely dead in the country. It's both Democrats and Republicans' fault. And the reason why it's dead is because they both follow the same economic principle of Milton Friedman. Milton Friedman is an inventor of neoliberal economics. Uh, his idea is that – his idea specifically says that Keen, Keynes was a naive. That's not how, that's not how it works. Well, the way it's supposed to work is you, you uh, the only thing the government has to worry about is controlling the money supply, and you basically give the money to the banks, and the banks will distribute it throughout the government. It's basically set up Reagan's uh, fucking trickle down theory, and basically, and yeah. he was uh, so if uh, Freeman was a part of Thatcher's government, he was Freeman was a part of Reagan's government. Freeman was given a birthday party by uh, fucking Bush uh, as, as a celebration of all of his economic efforts. Considered the most uh, fucking uh, he's he's the most he was the most beloved. Fucking economic expert uh, of the Republicans. He basically created their fucking brand. And you think, like, oh, it's just probably going to be the shit. No, the Democrats used, it, used his policies to get us out of the 2008 to fucking crash. If you look up, if you look it up now, uh, Tim Geithner, Obama's uh, financial uh, treasury secretary, I believe. Yeah, he was uh, Obama's secretary of treasury from 2009 to 2013. You could see his signature right on most of the money in your pocket. <laughs> Use Freeman's ideas to, uh, to, to uh, stabilize the economy. He gave the money to banks and gave very little relief to people and, and the lower economic status. So this was the bailout. This was the bailout. This is the Wall Street bailout. Where it was basically interest-free loans. Interest-free, exactly. To banks. Yeah. Yeah. And so Milton Friedman, and it's considered one of, the, like, one of the biggest examples of Freeman's policies in action uh, is a fucking Democrat doing it. This is actually what my biggest problem with Obama, like policy-wise, yeah. is I totally agree that interest-free loans to the banks and not really anything to bail out middle America that was destroyed by the financial crisis is a huge fucking problem. Yeah. Yes. Sounds backwards. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, this, and this also, this also goes back a few years. It goes back to fucking Clinton. So, like, I, like yeah. I say, uh, like, a bitch about Obama, uh, Bill Clinton's really the fucking demon of our times. Yeah. Fucking. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, he's a fucking, he's a bad person. He's, you know, sexual predator, all that shit. He was the secretary, Geithner was the secretary of the Treasury for International Affairs under Clinton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to get to that, that too. That's important to mention. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Clinton, and uh, basically in the 70s, uh, Democrats, until the 70s, Democrats followed the FDMO. These anti-monopoly policies to fight oligarchies and financial manipulation, uh, they create competition in open markets, breaking up concentration of private power, and protecting labor and farm rights. That's how you create actual fucking uh, competition in capitalism, making sure there's no oligarchies, uh, yeah. making sure everything's regulated, making sure uh, uh, there's no extreme inequality that pe- people can't afford food and shit while people are making uh, fucking uh, million dollar bailouts f- for doing nothing and shit. That's how you actually get fucking competition. But he was a member of the New Democrats. Obama's a New Democrat too. The New Democrats are the new neoliberal d- Democrats. Yeah. Uh, so they believe that concentration of financial power can be virtuous. It's fine to have the, uh, have that power be concentrated as long as that power is in the hands of experts. Also, and that's the thing you hear all the time. So every discussion you hear of DACA, and shit, it's why it triggers me all the time. They always talk about things and, oh, it has to be, oh, we're trying to get the best of the best, we're trying to get to this, because they, they always try to boil things down to, it's fine to have all Republican ideas as long as you do it smart, which I think is bullshit. Just because just one person's shitting the bed, it doesn't mean you do the same shit as him and try to do it better. The Wikipedia page for New Democrats, the picture is Obama Clinton. And hug, yeah. yeah, it's Obama and Clinton about to hug. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if you don't know how Clinton is shitty, in the 90s, he passed the crime bill. That's when Hillary Clinton got in trouble for saying super predators. Mm-hmm. He basically passed a massive uh, crime bill 
that was super discriminatory against uh, African Americans. Oh, those yeah. those those Trump supporters were right. Clinton was the real racist. Mm-hmm. But he, he, he but like he he basically catered towards uh, Republican positions because he did the same thing Obama did, where he's like, if I give them if I give them what they want, they can't fight against me and they'll like me and they'll get I'll get consensus. And, they'll be more and he efficient. got impeached. <laughs> and like, yeah, but I say I get to that too. Like, welfare reform was a big issue under Reagan and Bush. Like they used welfare queens, the stereotypical black woman with millions of kids as welfare queens to push their agenda. And but it, was, it took until Clinton, the Democrat, for, for us to finally cut welfare, and uh, just to get just to uh, appease the Republicans. And he passed the financial deregulation we mentioned, uh, uh, like uh, Glass Steagall, that helped us. Uh, Glass Steagall was created after the Great Depression to make sure that the banks can't gamble over your money. Clinton got rid of that and all the other, uh, a bunch of other financial regulations that helped set up the 2007 crash. The 2007 probably crash the, the most, yeah, probably the most damaging thing done yeah. by a modern president in terms of the American economy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2007 yeah. Was, was more Clinton's fault than Bush's, which is, uh, I, I meet Democrats saying that, but it's fucking true. Because Glass-Steagall is the thing that let you break up banks. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and without and, it... And, and literally, no, like, literally gambling with your money. Like, yeah. the, the, they... That's like a big thing. Like they take your money and then invest it here and there and hope the market pays them back. And when it doesn't, then they lose your money mm-hmm. and then they can't pay you back. And then we have to pay it. It's not a, It's not shocking that it was repealed and then we immediately tanked the entire global economy. Yeah. Yeah. And like uh, how long did, it was repealed in 99, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah I, so, I right before you stepped out, it wasn't even like a political win or anything. It was just to, just for fucking hell of it, basically. Yeah. And like Ryan said, his reward was to get fucking impeached. And yeah. it's funny because that, that that was actually kind of a good thing because what happened is uh, during the second term, Clinton says priority was going to be, uh, Clinton says priority was going to be to have uh, Social Security, Medicare, Medicare cuts. And if you follow Clinton's career uh, and Obama's career, Obama wanted to do that too. If go look up the grand bargain. That's something Obama brought up during his presidency all the time. Obama wanted to ape Clinton's legacy uh, to the fucking T. To, to the point that he he appointed Tim Geithner. Tim Geithner was under was under was under Treasury Department as they're making cuts to uh, all these the uh, regulatory cuts to Glass Steagall and all these all these things that kept us fucking safe after the Great Depression. And not only that, not only they picked Tim Geithner, who was just, just a member of the department. His first choice was going to be Larry Summers. Yeah, Larry Summers, Larry Summers, who fucking was in charge of the fucking department when when they fucking made those changes. Obama's first choice was the guy who fucking enacted those fucking changes. The guy who fucking crashed the economy. And that's that's the criticism at the time that people forgot by by this point that that Obama was hiring the people that helped crash the economy mm. to fucking fix the economy. Not to get to Geithner. Geithner's the guy I actually picked. First of all, he's such a fucking neoliberal that even when he, when he got appointed, he didn't even pay taxes for three years and got in trouble for that. That's how much of a fucking neoliberal <laughs> he was. Yeah. I don't believe in taxation. Sorry, I'm not paying. Yeah, and so he was a former Republican. Obviously, Obama loves that kind of shit. But Obama, Clinton, I, I, helps I you reach Obama. across he the was, aisle. Yeah, new liberal, new liberal. I should. I don't want. I don't want to seem like it's the Obama thing because Obama and Clinton buy this like mentality that neoliberals believe in. That if you reach across the aisle, if because their, their main goal is to make everything work, and uh, and you see this recurring throughout their statements and stuff like that. That's why they, they don't fight on on a lot of issues. Like uh, when Elizabeth Warren created the Consumer Financial Tech, uh, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, she uh, she was the most logical choice to head it. But Obama says, no, I'm not gonna have her head it because I don't want to fight over it. Because we have a fight over it, no one's gonna be appointed, and uh, I'm gonna have to fight over it, and it's gonna be not filled. So I'm just gonna pick something that no one can fight over it. So we get, get we just have somebody in that spot, and it's picked. That's all we have. I think it. the best way to show how uh, moral and like c- strong in his convictions Geithner is is during the 2008 presidential campaign. He was a rumored choice for Treasury Secretary for both Obama and McCain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so. To show, like, Tim Geithner wasn't just the fucking guy he picked, like, uh, and uh, felt like, you know, he just had no one else to pick or whatever. Tim Geithner uh, was, like, Obama's, according to uh, David Axelrod, Obama's political advisor, one of his closest people, political advisors, uh, David Axelrod called uh, Tim Geithner Obama's kindred spirit. Obama loved Tim Geithner. He always followed him. He, he, he was, like, his fucking rock. When all the other people left uh, Obama's administration for a second term, Obama fought super hard to make sure to try to keep Tim Geithner in, in office because everyone's leaving to try to get cash in on Wall Street and Tim Geithner did that too. He went to go cash in on Wall Street two years after everyone else did because that's what and you know Obama himself cash in on Wall Street that's what you do. You fucking like now Tim Geithner's running a fucking equity private equity firm, but Obama, so he's like I want to cash in Obama. Obama's like no please Tim I need you I need you to uh, help me <laughs> Tim uh, please uh, try to under yeah, understand. Like, yeah and so uh, it's funny because it doesn't seem like Tim Geithner liked Obama much. Because uh, Obama asked him to go golfing him, and Tim Geithner always refused. Like, he seems like Tim, Tim Geithner thought, thought it was stupid. 
It's classic. Obama tries to reach across the aisle, and the <laughs> yeah. other side of the aisle grabs his hand and like shoves it up their ass or whatever. <laughs> yeah, especially yeah. Republicans. That's the thing people do that they like. And right? I, so, like, and to, uh, the article I'm reading does give credit to Tim Geithner because like uh, Obama was comparing him to Europe, and Europe was imploding around this time. Uh, you know, the Greek crisis and stuff like that, and Tim Geithner prevented like the worst from happening. But uh, like, there were still better examples, like Iceland, where they had 200 fucking convictions of bank of. Of, oh, of, yeah. of bank fraud and their economy was doing better than ours at the time yeah so so the the financial crisis was caused by banks being pieces of shit yeah. and you would think that if geithner was the one who turned everything around maybe in february 2016 jp morgan chase wouldn't have provided all the credit for his private equity firm to open their investments mm. yep and here's the here's the main uh, sorry for all this build up, but here's the main meat and potatoes of the fucking uh, financial policies that they enacted. That was foreplay. Yeah, that's like <laughs> I'm, I'm already done, guys. I mean, foreplay can be sometimes the main event. <laughs> the main article that really triggered this whole thing for me was an article by Matt Stoller from Washington Post. Uh, Democrats can't win until they recognize how bad Obama's financial policies were. And it talks about like FD how whenever there's a crash like this or a session, uh, like there was in 2007, uh, it's always up to the president to decide where. Uh, who experiences the losses and how things get restructured? And FDR restructured it so, so the poor get better off. And Reagan used his his recession to try to uh, cripple unions and uh, give less power to workers. So Obama's a bit, a general policy was to make sure the banks were sa- safe, and that was it. According to a 2010 he, uh, hearing, the vice chairman of the Independent Congressional Oversight Panel by Obama which was created to monitor, to monitor the bailouts, told Obama's Treasury Department, we can either have a rational resolution to the foreclosure crisis or we can preserve the capital structure of the banks. We can't do both. So Obama, so Obama chose to put, make sure the banks are safe over the people that got foreclosed on. So he, he made sure that uh, the executive got off the hook. Yep. Uh, Senator Carl Levine, of uh, Democrat from Michigan, uh, referred criminal cases to the Justice Department over and over again. He was always rec- ignored. He kept saying, these guys are committing little acts. You have to arrest them. And the department completely ignored him. Whistleblowers from the government and from large banks uh, would come to the administration, and they'll and they, 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 they never prosecute anyone. In 2010, uh, Attorney, Gen- Attorney General Eric Holder ordered prosecutors not to go after the mega bank HSBC for money laundering. They had information with the money laundering. They refused to go after him. No one in Wells Fargo, uh, a good exa- one example is no one in Wells Fargo had been indicted for mass uh, fraud and opening fake bank accounts. Uh, Obama enabled and encouraged, and another aspect how he treated the fucking uh, people who got shit on by the fucking banks because they committed fraud on these people, and Obama helped the people that committed the fraud. Yeah, and like that's the thing, sorry to interrupt, but that's the thing is it's not just that they had like these neoliberal policies that are proven not to work, it's that there's yeah. so many cases of these banks doing literal crimes, not just like yeah. things they got away with because Glass Steagall was gone, but like literal fraud, yeah. opening bank accounts with other people's names and social yeah. security numbers, and and yet, nobody persecuted them. But here's the question, though. Everyone can agree that the the executive should have gone to jail. But are, do you think, in your opinion, Sly in particular, do you think the bailout was a bad idea in general? Like, do you think the damage of those banks going under would not have been potentially worse? Here's the thing. You could, you, uh, you could argue, uh, I'll get to that, I'll get to that as a bigger point. You could argue that bail is necessary. The question is, how did he treat people that got fucking foreclosed on? Oh, uh, okay. How, that's like, and that's one yeah, thing. My main out. thing is, if you had given them the bank loans with interest, like, yeah, I don't exactly. know, all the loans you give to people, mm-hmm. and use that interest that is being paid by multi-billion dollar corporations that not only have the money for it, but also, like, have... They, they're they the ones that, when they got back on their feet, they made record profits. Yeah, they're doing yeah. really so well right now. use the interest from that, yeah, if you use the interest from that to maybe like do things like how about subsidize public option of healthcare <laughs> public option of healthcare subsidize student loans so people could move up in the social or mobility housing, since it's or like, housing it was a housing and, thing yeah but there's so many things you could do to balance the scales instead of just help the banks and tell everybody else to go fuck off and, and just the criminal prosecution aspect is a huge it's a huge difference yeah. too because what happens is uh what 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 the bomb the standard bomb administration set was if you uh, commit fraud, if you crash the economy, we'll we'll uh, fine you for a fraction of what, of the profit you made, and not arrest you. And they also didn't find people; they find the companies. Exactly. So that means that nobody actually lost pay. It just was it was basically a write off as the cost of doing business. Exactly. And that's like it's it's like the I keep going back to this, but like presidents set precedents. It's like presidents such a yeah. big thing that when yeah. when he doesn't prosecute with the DOJ. He's saying to future bankers, you can also do this and not get prosecuted. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So the, Obama's explicit policy at uh, policy was uh, to encourage and enable nine million foreclosures. Geithner, when asked about this, he told us to Elizabeth Warren, the foreclosures will help form the runway to let banks go back to business. The whole priority was we have to make sure all these people get foreclosed and get, the, get them out of the way. All these fucking people. We have to make sure the banks go back to business. He told us to fucking Elizabeth Warren that we have to do this. That's 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 what that's what his fucking priority was. The priority of the fucking administration, the fucking progressive administration, to make sure that it's supposed to be progressive, protecting people. Yep. So the so 2015 saw uh, that's when another aspect of Obama's shitty policy is he did nothing while there was mergers and acquisitions. Every yeah. sector of the economy, pharmaceuticals, telecom, as in the platforms, airlines. So much merging. Yes. yes. Yep. He, he did not, uh, like Bush didn't do theater and Obama didn't do, uh, uh, expanded the latter, lack of doing, I don't know what he says. Bush <laughs> did did also did nothing. <laughs> also did nothing, I guess so, yeah. Uh, whatever is a significant monopoly, uh, I guess prosecute you under Section 2 of the Sherman Act and Obama never used that once and Bush never used that once. Instead, the FTC would go after music teachers and ice skating instructors for uh, fucking uh, anti-competition attitudes and the article brings up these, these ridiculous fucking things they're prosecuting instead by like, it affects like 2,000 people these small tiny like uh, clauses in fucking contracts that prevented from people from going to another employer and they're prosecuting this instead of prosecuting uh, uh, fucking Comcast and all the other people fucking merging and growing larger. And it's interesting that someone like Teddy Roosevelt uh, would probably be considered a lot more right wing than any of these people we're talking about. Yeah. And yet he was like, you gotta fucking break up big companies. Like, it's bad. If you truly believe capitalism is good, which I, I, I'm always the capitalist on the show, uh, and I do, you have to have competition. It, it has is. to exist. And if, if you have AT&T as the only company in the entire eastern United States, that is not competition. That is, that is just mm -hmm. completely terrible. Yeah. We have to go. I think that has to be like a new ideology, or something like 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 competitiveness or something like that. Like yeah. where you where you say like whatever it takes to have some competition in the market. And if there's no competition, like probably 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 just make it public, like something like yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's one of the things is having a public option allows in anything. In like my uh, one of my friends, Michael, lives in Colorado where they have public internet. It's like yeah. municipal internet, and he says that it's just a better product. And it also like if you were to go private, they have to offer a better product than that. At yeah. a competitive price, and for utilities, which they often say you can't compete too much in, like um, like gas or electric, because you can't build a power plant for each company, then then you should nationalize that. Yeah, or be yeah. super regulated. Or how about for healthcare, where it's something yeah. everybody needs? Like maybe yeah. it's a human right or something. I don't know. So maybe there should be like a public option that keeps everything competitive. Joe Lieberman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Competition is really, really in integral to having companies that work for your dollar like otherwise then what the fuck is the point because then they're just yeah. like well, i'm gonna extort you and you have to eat shit yeah this is the end game of competition uh, <laughs> yeah no competition yeah you beat everyone else you're the patriots going to the super bowl yeah again. that's what that's what like uh pure like no unregulated capitalism does yeah. it creates uh, it kills the parent basically makes it yeah. this poor corporate attitude but the whole reason why i brought this up like and why i brought up like uh, lieberman being uh fucking obama's mentor and like the new democrats and stuff like that is because you see, this DACA. You see, with everything else. The goal is to make sure the financial sector is doing the best. Like that's one reason why they made sure the government came back because you know they had the fucking Wall Street on their asses saying, "Make sure the fucking uh, we're having record problems right now. If you fuck that up because of DACA, because of fucking DACA, uh, we're gonna fucking go after the Democrats in the elections and shit." Like they said, like we can't do this because the elections coming up. Even though Democrats are are slated to to win the elections at the moment, they fucking better. And so like you have like this attitude that the markets matter above everything else. And the, and you have more importantly you have no left wing voices you have the the Keynesian whatever the fuck you call it <laughs> that is, mentality is dead in government and and uh, that's why also why I always talk about multiple parties because you have no one arguing that you should have the government protect the little guy you have people arguing how much money you should give to the banks you should give every money all the money in the banks the Republicans or you should give them some to give make them sure they're working well to the Democrats yeah. and I think both policies are bullshit that's one of the yeah. things I feel like is comparable to Trump and Obama too is like Trump ran on this populist message and then did the opposite yeah yeah I actually read a quote where when Keynes oh not with Keynes when Friedman died someone some guy said any Democrat today will admit to you that we're all Friedmanists now like it's it's like they have the, the financially have all adopted mm -hmm. this laissez-faire idea of of economics which is so strange from a party that was much more government involvement mm -hmm. do you think that yeah. we'll see a resurgence of that because we're seeing a lot more progressive victories. And, like, people are gravitating more towards people like Elizabeth Warren than... I really don't see how we could ever 
go in the direction of neoliberal policies from this point. Yeah, that's the thing. Because I feel like yeah. a lot of the frustrations we're feeling with the the massive difference between you know the one percent and the ninety nine percent is we have to look back and what policies have helped substantiate this disparity. Yeah, but a lot of people just blame the president. They're like, it's Trump's fault or it's Obama's fault. But I mean, those those people probably aren't going to be the ones that are going to be the progressives. Also, yeah, also, it might seem like it now, but keep in mind, rhetoric is different from policy. Yeah. And Obama was yeah. very progressive in his rhetoric, mm-hmm. and policy ended up That's being very, very true. neoliberal. That's very so, like, true. we might, we might, we might be setting up another Obama right now, not even know. But it. I also think, like, when Hillary lost, I think it has, like, obviously, there's a lot of issues there. But I think one of the big things, one of the reasons why Bernie did so well against her, against all odds, was because people, even though Hillary said all the things that sound good, her policy did come back and bite her in the ass. And that's why the left didn't embrace her, like the far left, because she could say all she wants, but she was complicit in the repeal of Mm -hmm. Glass-Steagall. That's why we make sure we vet our candidates and make sure, like, they're people that populace like the people it's also you can look at their records and be like are you voting for what i want you to vote for rather than being like well times have yeah. changed but it's disturbing to me the republicans are doing these yeah things. as as they vote to go to a, the iraq war <laughs> uh, yeah yeah like, like obama was pretty much a blank slate when he came in and another funny thing is uh i i, I forget it's been lost to the right so i'm not sure, sure how valid it is but i think it's i think it's valid uh, I think the majority of his tenant votes were present. He didn't vote yay or nay on most bills. He voted that he was present. It's because he's a CIA plant. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, right, true. But, but like, that, that shows you how much like Obama was such a blank slate, and we projected so much of what we want. Yeah, and, yeah. and think candidate. about it. It's like that's the error with Trump is you go in and you naturally assume things where it's like you don't know his voting policy records yeah. in government. Like th- this is this is why people outsiders from government is dangerous is because when they have experience in government you're like this is what you're likely to do, whereas when they're outside it's like uh you're gonna run it like a business I don't know what that means like what policy are you do you support and also like to get your opinions on the Iraq War we had to listen to a Howard Stern interview like yeah, yeah. fuck it. yeah the important, the important thing is to find somebody like Bernie Sanders Elizabeth Warren. People who've been fighting their whole careers for uh, the proper, uh, for the little guy, and have been trying to preach a populist message, and you know, it's like not yeah. people who are, ju- who are just using it just for an election, or people who are blank slates and just using it for just election. You have to have people that have been the whole career is basically built on continuing what FDR and other people tried to do in the past and trying to bring that legacy back. And the best way to do that is to get involved in local politics and get yes. real true progressives to have that resume that we're talking about. Someone can't just run for president, but if they have a record in a state Senate and then the House and then the Senate of fighting for progressive ideals for that long, mm-hmm. then we can get that. And right now, the Senate, the Senate Democrats don't have a whole lot of that. So it's important to start at the bottom because we've neglected that in the progressive side for so long. Mm-hmm. Oh boy! Well, well, so what was that quote you want to say out there? It made him seem a lot nicer, Daryl. <laughs> well, well, yeah. During the break, I was talking about that. I was doing a lot of, I was reading a lot of interviews with Obama because I was just trying to see like his responses and stuff. And I ended up just reading a lot of the. It's it was an interview he did with Tanahasi Coates, and they were talking about how there's been activists within the black lives matter community and also like hispanic people that have been very disappointed with both his progressive platform and what he's done like the amount of deportations he did which was another topic we were going to talk about but we only have so much time and obama was talking about it and i thought it was very interesting because he was even though like he would feel potentially like hurt he said that he he really understood where they were coming from because he too used to be an activist back in chicago and he was he was saying how important it is to keep that kind of mentality and to keep that, that the fire burning within you, along with stuff where it's like you have to be, you know, the, the stuff sly rails on for where it's like you got to be pragmatic. You got to make sure you're doing stuff to, to get the policy through and that you're fighting for it. And I it was just it's so stark the difference between Obama being presented with this person says you're not doing enough that you're failing them and him being like we're trying and I'm going to listen to you opposed to someone like Trump where you, you just cannot approach him with you're a failing. negative. You're failing, not me. <laughs> yeah. That's the difference between Obama and Democrats in general. Like, unless we bitch about Democrats in the same, in the same fucking country. Uh, honestly, this is why I fight for a multi-person party because in the same country, uh, we will have 
uh, Bernie running one party, Obama running another party, and like no, uh, that would be it. for me. Be... That's ideally. I really want socialism versus neoliberalism, really, but like exactly. a soft left-leaning neoliberalism that would make things a lot more interesting rather than neoliberalism versus insanity and like exactly. unsustainable <laughs> like narcissism. You give me money, and then I'm happy. And everyone's like, oh, I like this party a lot. It's like Sly showed a comic recently about how it's like Republicans, because they're like, the government sucks, they can do shitty things. And then everyone's exactly. like, wow, the government does suck. I'm going to keep voting for the people that believe it. And, and you should never feel that way, because if you feel that way, the people who are trying to do what's good for you, they get they, they don't get credit for what they're doing, and yeah. nothing proves. Cause yes. Not... Oh, man. Government is people that are trying to do things mostly that are good, so please try to get people in there who also want to do good and support yes. them. Uh, I was just going to say, I feel like this is preaching to the choir. I don't know how many like hard-leaning conservatives are like, oh, this is I gotta rethink some things. I mean, sometimes you go to the DMV in Queens and you're like, the government's not good people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, people, people get frustrated with government. That's a very typical thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's like, especially the, the really heavy bureaucracy can be really frustrating. And that, yeah, it's kind of one of the things when you have a big country, you get, you do get bloated bureaucracy as kind of like the, the, the side effect, but mm -hmm. it's worth it. Yeah. yeah. That's why we always, that's why we always sometimes we talk about, we seem like we talk about from a Republican standpoint, because even like, uh, like even the Republicans aren't really conservative anymore. Like they're mm -hmm. like anarcho-capitalists. Mm -hmm. And yeah. a lot of times. Absolutely. When has the, was it, it's like, uh, Rand Paul is the only one that's like smaller government really. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and he even he is like sometimes, you know. Yeah, yeah, and but like it's Democrats are ones who are more small government nowadays, like in, in like uh, making sure government is actually running efficiently and stuff like that, yeah. and yeah, cutting down waste, and that's that just breaking down the government and making sure it's broken. Yeah. So, uh, thanks, Obama. Thanks, thanks Obama. Obama. Before we wrap up, I, I do want to say like if I, if I, I know I, I came across hostile and everything is I, I, the reason why like hyper about this whole time time like studying up my words. It's because I always uh, ramble about Obama, and I really want to clarify why I have such an issue with him. And it's like a, why it's fundamentally a priority level for me, and I want to illustrate that and not seem like I'm a fucking Tea Party supporter or somebody yeah. who hates him because of bullshit reasons, like he's fucking tan suit and shit like that. Yeah, that's one of the hard things is since our like our discourse nowadays is so like lit up. Uh, it's hard to be like, well, I have criticisms about the left and not have it be like, well, you know, you're saying both sides are the same or that you want to yeah. like tear down the left. Well, you must be a Republican then. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was hesitant to like do an episode where we rag on Obama, Me but too. it's important to note that we're not saying that he's just as bad as Trump. Yeah. But we're saying like, just because someone's not the most evil doesn't mean you shouldn't learn from their mistakes and flaws. Yeah. And disagree on the curve, but for me, Obama is the best president in my lifetime. Do you think that's true for you guys? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it has to be. Yeah, so take, you see, it was like we we we're bitching on him, but at the end of the day, he's the well. Best actually, oh, uh, Trump's term isn't over yet. He could still do some good things. <laughs> oh, you're right. Never mind. Sorry, that's being unfair to Trump. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not in our lifetime because I've been dead this whole time. <laughs> I've been dead inside. We all have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. I wanna very briefly mention some a couple quick plugs on so you should always check out all our other shows at the Comrade Radio Network, like Falling in Love Montage, Tales from the Static, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And that's all available at comraderadio.com. And I was just on I mentioned it on last week's Device of Issues, but I was on last week's and next week's episode of Judging Book Covers. Actually, this episode should be out by now. So the last two episodes, I was on Judging Book Covers talking about books about fake news and stuff and comic books about sad people. So that's like me. <laughs> and check those out. Just search iTunes or whatever. And we mentioned that we've been having a lot of like lit up discourse. And a lot of that happens in our new Discord. It's lit. Yeah, it's lit. <laughs> a lot of that happens in our Facebook group, Oops, I Talk Divisive Issues, and our Discord. The link is in the show notes. Everyone should come join. And it's been a lot of fun. And we also have a self-care thread where it's like happy things when politics are really bad. So during the whole shutdown argument, we also had a bunch of pictures of kittens and puppies. <laughs> so well, yeah. We really are snowflakes. Yeah, we are. <laughs> but... It's it's nice. Everyone should come hang out with us. Yeah. I like stuff if you don't like puppies and kittens, you can fuck off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not a safe space for animal haters. <laughs> yeah, you shit. So thank you guys so much for listening to Oops I Talk Politics. I've been the ghost that will forever haunt Joe Lieberman's putrid soul. I've been the milk toast part of milk toast liberal. <laughs> <laughs>
I've been Keynesian or Freedmanist or something like that. And I've been complicit in Obama's extrajudicial killings by voting for him. Oops, I ended the podcast. Comrade Radio. Dot com. Independent podcasting network.